Republican, whatever, whoever you're voting for, and just the complete discourse, and everybody just wishes for this time of year to be over. All the bickering and the nonsense that takes place, talking about politics and this and that and the other. And I got to thinking, you know, it's not so different within the church body as it is on the exterior, right? We're supposed to be different. We're called to be different. He says we're a peculiar people. We're supposed to be different from the rest of the world. But how many times do we get caught up on the little things? How many times do you not say something because of the little things? Well, God was laying on this on my heart even at the first part of last week um, when we had Kalen here, and what an amazing job he did. I love that young man. He is a good brother to have in Christ. Um, but God started laying this on my heart at the beginning of last week. So I'm going to jump into Romans 14, starting at verse 1. It says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. I just I want to stop right there. What he's saying is, somebody might be weaker in the faith with you than you are, or you might be stronger in your walk in that season, or in that situation, or at that point in time. But it says, receive him that is weaker. And don't dog him for it, right? Don't make him feel worse than he already feels. Receive him as to help him. Don't put him down even farther, but receive him to help build him and grow him. Verse 2, it says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eat herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Both children of the king, right? One chooses to eat, one chooses not to eat. It says, don't let the one that eats belittle the one that doesn't, and don't let the one that doesn't judge the one that does. Right? He's saying, the little bits, the choices that you make, whatever you're convicted over, let that be what it is. You know, other people might have other convictions that God has been working in their life that doesn't necessarily bother me. We have to be careful to always make sure it lines up with the Word of God. But it's these little things that can go into a big thing, right? You've heard the saying, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. We do it a lot. We do it a lot. We take these small little nitpick things and we make it this big, huge debate or discussion or whatever you want to call it, argument even sometimes it gets there, and it's such a small thing that you don't even remember what it was you started with because you've thrown out some other derogatory things or people that they've done wrong and this and that, and they're telling you everything that you've done wrong, and all of a sudden the basis for the conversation is no longer there because it just got hurtful and everybody's mad. Right? I mean, how often do we see that? I mean, people that have Facebook, whoa. I mean, it's just total out warfare right now between politics. That's just a mess. And it's disheartening because, like I said, a lot of times you can't see the difference between the church body 
the children of God, and the rest of the world when it comes to these matters. We should handle these things differently. We should react to these things differently than the rest of the world. It says if somebody's being convicted for something, let them be convicted. Don't say that they're wrong in their conviction. If I'm being convicted of something, if God's working on me and tells me not to do something that doesn't necessarily bother you, don't tell me I'm wrong in it. Well, you shouldn't let that bother you. No, because the Spirit's convicting me for a reason. He's growing me. It says in verse 4, Who art thou that judge another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Right? God is able to make him stand. You're not able to make him stand. You're not able to tear him down beyond what God can repair. But we sure can be a stumbling block in there. We can sure inhibit somebody for personal growth. We can beat them down so bad verbally that they don't want to go any farther. My gosh, they're going to treat me like that? I ain't, I ain't going back. I'm never setting foot in church again. Those people are hateful. They're crude. Why do you think these kids running on the street, instead of running to a church, run to a gang? Because they feel more accepted. Because the gang has faults. The kid has faults. And they accept him for who he is. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. They said they were having a problem with drinking. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I would rather you be in one of my church pews with alcohol on your breath than sitting at home by yourself alone in a bottle. I want you here. Why? Because we come here to get in the presence of God. You can surround them with love, compassion. You can fellowship with them. Why? Because we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to help one another. We don't have to agree with the drink. But God tells us to love one another. He tells us to take our weaknesses and help build them away from that, right? If getting them to church with alcohol on their breath is the first step of getting them out of that bottle or out of that pill or out of that bad relationship or whatever it is, if they've got to come here broken, then Jesus says, I come for the broken. I come to serve the ones that need me. If you're fine, don't worry about it. But guess what, guys? I stand before you today a broken man in need of healing. Because I don't know about all of you, but I need a Savior. Because I'm a sinner. I ain't getting there without Jesus' blood covering my imperfections. That's where we all stand today. He who has not sinned cast the first stone, right? Room cleared pretty quick. The only person that had the opportunity didn't. Why? Because at that juncture, it would not have helped 
change them. Because see, he would choose to build them versus beat them. I had a person come to me one day and was using their ministry status and a whole lot of scripture to tear down some things that I was doing. And I thought, boy, old chap, it's kind of hurtful coming from a brother. You're using your status in ministry and scripture to tear me down. It wasn't for edification of the body. It was for personal vindiction. See, we can use Scripture to help build and edify and heal and grow. It's good for all things. I think we play a dangerous boundary when we start using it for personal vindiction. When we start using it to tear people down and show them in all the places where they're wrong versus trying to help them get right. Because I always like to level the playing field. It says, all have sinned. Boom. Now we're level. You're no better than me, and I'm no better than you. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no step up. The only step up is Jesus, and that's the life we're supposed to follow, right? He came in and cleared a room. Because they had corrupted his father's house of prayer. Given the opportunity, he would have saved every man in that building. I'll guarantee you. Because he knows your heart. Verse 5, it says, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Where's the heart at, right? That's what it's saying, where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? Is your heart aimed towards God and you're under conviction for something that I may not totally agree with you with? But if your heart is aimed towards the Lord and you're headed in the same direction that I am, then I want to reach a hand out to help you get past whatever you're getting past. And I hope if you're passing me by, you will reach out the same hand of God and try to help me through whatever I'm going through. Whether I choose to eat or not eat, or I regard one day, or not regard one day, if we're both doing it for the sanctity of God and to grow in our righteousness towards His kingdom for His purpose, because it has nothing to do with us. A servant can't stand on his own, but he can only stand in the presence of God. Then let it be. Right? Let it be what it is if it's these little things that don't have a whole lot to do with anything. Now, there are some principles that I will not back down from in this book. There are some things that I won't shy away from that you're not going to change my mind on, but I hope you will change your mind on. There are those principle matters that truly do matter. 
But if you want to argue with me on what day truly Christmas was on, was it in the fall? Was it in the spring? Guys, I don't know. Does it matter? The reason I celebrate Christmas is because God sent his son to save me. That's the reason I celebrate Christmas. We get things so out of context and, and co so contorted that we forget the reason why we're here. I'm here today to grow in my relationship with God. I'm here today to sing Him praises. I'm here today to fellowship and grow in my family relationships and the family of God. That's why I'm here today. I'm here if somebody wants to cry out to the Lord and give their heart to Him today, then I'm here to support them in that. I'm not here because this building is the only place that God is. I'm here because He blessed us with this great building. But I'm here for God's sake, not my own. Well, I'm here for my own too. But I want to do the work of the Lord to the best of my abilities. And guess what? That's not good enough. So he equips me with more abilities than I ever thought I would ever have in my life. And he does the same for you on the daily. He wakes you up every morning to give you another opportunity to serve him. What a blessing that is. Have you ever noticed that when you start making kingdom decisions and when you start making decisions for God to serve Him over and over and over again, how happy and joyful you become and how it distracts you from everything else that's going on in the world? Guys, it's important. It's important to surround yourself with like-minded believers headed in the same direction with the same principles, heading towards the kingdom of God together. Together. Down at this camp, we have this camp every year. It's like the third week of October or fourth week. It ranges from 20 to 30 guys. And we go down there. It starts on Thursday. We'll go to Sunday. Guys, I've watched their kids grow up. One day my son will get to go with me. My buddy Brian, his boys are now getting to go because they're of age. And last night, two nights ago, we were stand up and we were playing cornhole. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's an addictive game. Don't start it if you haven't. Um, his son, they're from Oklahoma, got to stay up without his dad and his grandpa for the, this was the first year for him to be able to make his own decisions to stay up because he said, Papa, I won't make any bad decisions. Will you just let me stay up with them guys? And he said, son, I know you're not going to make any bad decisions. And they wouldn't let you even if you tried. He stayed up with us that night. And he told us the next morning as we were praying before we were going to eat, his grandpa was praying. He said, you don't know how much I appreciate this group of men. I would leave my life in every one of your guys' hands. He said, if I ever needed help, I could call any one person in this group, and I guarantee you about the whole group would be there if I needed them. 
He said, I don't care to let my grandkids run around because they're not going to learn bad habits down here. Guys, it's not saying that all of us down there are perfect, but we're perfect in our imperfectness because we're God-fearing people. We're God's children. And we want to raise another generation to be God's children. We've all made our mistakes. If I listed off the name of the people that was down there, you guys would probably be like, wow, what a motley crew. Yikes. People trust kids down there. That's crazy. But that heartfelt moment in prayer, guys, to be a unified body, despite all of our imperfections and differences, I don't agree with some of the things those guys do down there, not at camp, but in their own life, but I'm sure they don't agree with some of the things that I do. Not all of them go to church every Sunday, but guess what? I don't beat them up about it. I just ask them, hey, if you don't have a church home, come listen to me. Or, hey, there's this church down the road. It's just important that you get there, man. You want to hear it. You got to be in the presence of God. You got to be seeking God. I'm not standing there telling him, you're going to go to hell if you don't go to church. That doesn't do anything. You know, it's kind of like telling somebody they messed up after they already knew they messed up. <laughs> I have to watch that with my kids sometimes. So I'll be like, you know what you just did? Yeah, I just did it, duh. <laughs> you know? But sometimes, guys, we can use other people's imperfections and really take a hold of them and really push them down and push them away from God and instead of drawing them in and making them feel closer to God. We've all got our differences. We've all got our imperfections. I have never once agreed with 100% of any pastor. I haven't. There's always been something. I don't expect you guys to agree 100% of everything I say up here. Why? Because you're your own person. You've got your Bible. Read it. Make your own thoughts. Make your own conclusions. Pray. Let the Spirit of God guide you through every single word in it. And then let's get together and let's talk about it. Let's talk about our differences in thought. I love it. Because I like to see other people's thoughts. And the way they see something or the way they read something. That's why I love Bible studies. You get a group of 15 people together, you're going to have some differences of opinion. And it's awesome. As long as it's edifying the kingdom of God. You know, we've had people get up and walk out of Wednesday night study. Um, probably because I was in flip-flops and gym shorts and they thought Bob Grisham was the pastor, but that's all right. They were mad because I didn't have a seminary degree, guys. I'm sorry. If that's a stumbling block for you, I'm, I truly am sorry. But I believe that God's got me here for a purpose, and they may have not been my purpose. Guys, I can't reach this world. That's why I need you. I need all of you. Because we as a body can reach people. You can't hang it all on me because I can't reach everybody. I've not been through the things that you've been through, and you haven't been through the things that I've been through. But all of us together, 
as a multitude have been through a lot of things, right? We've been through a lot of things as a body. And we can take those weaknesses in the, in the moments that we thought we were our weakest, but we turned around and we realized that we fell on our face and we cried out to God and we were as close to God as we had ever been in our moments of weakness because God says, when you are weak, then I am strong. Because you realize that you can't do it on your own, that you have to rely on me. And I am here for you. Not to crush you, but to build you when you get crushed. If we're going to follow an example, like we're supposed to, not here to do the crushing, but here to do the building after somebody's been crushed, right? Guess what, John? You can believe something different than I believe, and we can still be friends. I know, shocking. I think I'm on to something new here. But it can happen, guys. We can still be cordial. We can still be nice and not agree 100% on everything. I can still love you and not agree on everything. Marriage is that example, right? Anybody who's married ever agree on everything? If you do, don't even raise your hand because I... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Verse 7. Romans 14, verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Right? Basic commonality. We have something in common all of a sudden, me and you. Whether you like Joe Biden or you like Donald Trump or you don't like either one of them, now all of a sudden as believers in Christ, we have some commonality. Because it says whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. Amen? That's the best thing that we could ever be. Being Republican is great. Being Democrat is great. But guess what? I'm a child of the king. That's where I stand. Whether we have a president or no president, or we live in a third world country, I am still a child of the king. It doesn't make a difference to me. This world is not changing God's kingdom or my promise or the hope that's set before me. This election won't alter my purpose. Because I'm purpose for God's sake and his kingdom. It may change the way I go about things. It may change my platform. It may change where I do it. But it says whether I live or whether I die, I'm still doing it for the Lord. Because He is my all in all. He is my commander in chief. He is my father. He is my creator. He is my God. Verse 9 says, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set a knot before thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to be there. 
black, white, blue, yellow, short, tall, fat, skinny, don't make no difference. We're all going to be there the same. Can you imagine that day? Golly, I'm going to hold up the line. I... There's a lot more believers than unbelievers, but the Bible tells me that's not the case. But I believe that God is holding off so that the last person that is willing to accept Him and we can And I wipe my feet off the rug before I walk into church or even take my hat off. Take your hat off in your church and I'll ask somebody to do it. But if they're only going to be here and the only way they're going to be here is if they can wear a hat, guess what? I'm going to let them wear a hat. Because I'm not going to condemn their life over something that doesn't really matter. I do think it's disrespectful. But if I can say something while they're sitting here listening that might spur on this Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can grab a hold of them and the Holy Spirit can take them all the way to heaven, guess what? He might stop wearing his hat because all of a sudden he now has a respect for God. Right? The difference that you can make and just loving on somebody instead of pointing out the little disagreements is the difference. That's what makes us different. We are called to be different. That is what makes us different because we have the grace, mercy, and love from God. And His grace, mercy, and love is perfect. And we get to be a reflection of that. Hopefully. Hopefully we're a reflection of that. Verse 11, I'm going to read it again. This is leveling the playing field again, guys. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. When I get there, I don't have to explain what Bob Robbins did. I don't have to try to make excuses for Kenny. So we all know that'd take too long. I know. <laughs> Me too, brother. I've got to take account for myself. How did I treat people? How did I talk to people? How did I love people? How did I follow in God's purpose on my life? How many times did I tell God no? Why did I tell God no? I'm going to have to answer for all these things. I'm going to hold up the line, I can assure you. But guess what? Even though I have to answer for all these things, I've got somebody sitting in a chair right over there. And he's going to say, he's one of mine. I know that he didn't live a perfect life. 
But he loved me and I love him. And he is one of mine. You may enter. Man. And I hope that person that showed up in that ball cap sat on the front row at church just enter too. And I hope that one that talked bad to me because he felt like I did him wrong, I hope he gets to enter too. Because all of us are created by one creator, guys. All of our imperfections and indifferences, we have to answer for those for ourselves. Verse 13, it says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. We circled back around, right? If you consider it unclean, then it's unclean to you. If I've got a problem and used to have a problem or something like that where, where I thought I was an alcoholic and I was living in a bad way, guys, one drink might be a stumbling block for me. One look might be a stumbling block for me. One pill might be a stumbling block for me. I don't know what it is you battle, but everybody battles something. Some people battle it on the surface, and some people talk it down in the deep, dark depths of their soul, but everybody battles something, guys. And it says, don't be a stumbling block to those. If they feel like it's unclean, it might be part of their battle, guys. Be there in support with them, even though it might not be a stumbling block for you. Verse 14, it says, I know, oops, sorry, 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat from whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? It says, man, if somebody before you says they can't eat meat because it hurts and you sit down at their table, don't bring meat. Don't be a stumbling block for them because they might want it. Don't tempt them in their own sin. Help them. Be a brother in Christ. Say, hey, if you're not going to eat meat, guess what? I'm eating a salad with you. And then I'll go eat meat when I get back to my house. Because i got to have meat in my meal. You know, it's like lighting a cigarette in front of somebody that was a long-time smoker and trying to quit. You know? Man, this is great, you know? And they're sitting over there going, Oh, I want that. No. Don't light it. Wait until you're apart from them. Don't tempt them into something that they're trying to quit. Don't be a stumbling block before them. It says in verse 18, For he that is in these things serveth Christ. Back up so we know what we're talking about. 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things serve Christ. 
is acceptable to God and approved of by men. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God, all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Do everything as if you're doing it to the Lord. We talked about this last Wednesday in Bible study. If you guys haven't been coming on Wednesday, we've been having a really good study, guys. We're talking about how to make a not-so-great job into a great job. When you realize who your boss is, when you realize who you're serving on the daily, not man, but God, things get better. Right? Whenever you realize that you're doing this job for a short period of time and the ultimate reason you are there is maybe to spring the gospel to somebody else. Maybe when you're in the presence of everybody, just the way you carry yourself is enough for people to get curious and start asking you questions. Maybe when that one coworker keeps hammering you with different things over and over and over again, and you don't crack, but you stand for righteousness, and you're not going to retaliate because you stand for righteousness, they ask why. I've been so mean to you. Why have you not acted out? Why have you not lashed back at me? Guess what? You're not there to do your job. You're serving God. You've got a purpose. And I believe that everywhere we are, we have a purpose. Because my God doesn't do things without purpose. He doesn't waste time. Why? Because there's not time to be wasted. When you think about it, your job, how many people do you work with that right now don't know Christ as Lord and Savior? Just think about it in your head. So at your job currently, there is work to do for the kingdom. This thing that you're doing on the daily, this is just kind of your side piece that you get to do whenever you're not serving the Lord. Right? You do it because you need to make money, because you've got to have a house and you've got to have food. God knows these things. Right? He said, I know these things. I'll take care of them. You serve me. I'll take care of this. When I go to the bank, if I have the opportunity to have a conversation about Jesus Christ, guess what? I get up and I shut my door and I have a conversation about Jesus Christ. Because God put me there. God's got a purpose for me. And I want to do what God has for me. And then I'll do a little banking second. But see, God blesses us when we listen to him. You say, well, it's not all about financial gain. It's not. I'm saying that he blesses us because we get to spend eternity with him. 
don't care about this stuff down here. We get to spend eternity with an ever-loving Father that created us. Man, I get excited. But guys, these days, there is so much division. Everywhere you look, there's division. People are bickering or arguing over something. Like I said, there are certain things that are written in God's word that I will not back down from, that I will not vary from. But if it's little, and have an opportunity to overcome that with some of God's grace and some of God's mercy, that's where we're at. That's what's going to bring revival. When the world actually figures out that we are different. Because right now, in some things, we don't look so different. We just don't. So if you would please stand with me today. The difference starts here. It's like that Casting Crown song that we listen to. It starts here. Church, if we want to make a difference out there, it starts right here. So if you want to make a difference this week, set your mind right to start the week. If you want to make a difference this afternoon, then now is the time to set your mind that you're going to make a difference. If you're trying to overcome something, then set your mind right now, get on your knees, cry out to God, and say, I want to beat this, but I can't beat it on my own. I need your presence in my life because I know that when I get to the end of my rope, do I truly gain freedom. So today, if you're looking for something, if you're looking for power over sin, today's the day. If you've disputed nonsense things, go apologize, reconcile, and start walking them towards the kingdom of God. I'm not here to push anybody away, nor would I ever want to push anybody away. If there's something that I can do different, I want to do different. Because we're here for each other. We're here to build each other up. We're here to unify with one another, to get more than skin deep with our relationships so that when you're hurting, I can see it in your eyes and we can have a conversation. And when I'm hurting, you can see it in my eyes and we can have a conversation. And we're not just walking alone. We're walking together, unified in the Spirit of God towards the same goal. Let's not be the church that's ununified, that's stopping the Spirit of God to have a revival. Let's come together and love one another so that the revival can start right here. So that the revival can start right now. Because I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I am ready. I am ready to see what God can do with a wretch like me. I'm ready to see what God can do in your life when you fully commit to Him. So today, let's commit. Today, let's hand it over. Say, God, today, I am all in. Let's do this. That's where the change takes place. So if you want to come pray today, 
The altars are open. Come pray.